Back with another edition of the Bowlers Extra podcast, uh, JC Online and through SoundCloud. Mike Garman covers Purdue Sports for uh, the Journal and Courier and jconline.com. Uh, recording this on Sunday, uh, June 7th, and you know one day before Purdue football starts its workouts, uh, voluntary workouts, that is, to make that clear. Uh, the players don't have to be there, but we all know what the word voluntary means uh, <laughs> in college athletics. Uh, there'll be It won't be a full complement of players there. Uh, but anyway, that's going to get back going. I also want to touch on today what what we found out uh, late last week is that Rossade will operate uh, roughly at a 25% capacity as of right now. And then also uh, basketball has uh, offered uh, a lot of scholarships uh, last week in the 2022 class, which is going to be a big class uh, for Purdue since they ha- they're they're scheduled as of right now to have four four openings. But I uh, uh, want to touch on, first of all, the, what Mitch Daniels told a U.S. Uh, Senate committee uh, last week on Thursday that uh, when, when asked about athletic-related uh, topics uh, associated with the reopening of, of campus. Uh, the Purdue president revealed that uh, Purdue plans to operate uh, at 25% capacity uh, of Ross Aid Stadium, or they, they're not going to go above that as of right now, which is roughly uh, between 14 and 15,000 uh, fans uh, that could uh, that could potentially watch games. Uh, at Ross Aid Stadium, Purdue has six home games uh, that starts on September 12th. Um, and, you know, the, the 25% number is probably a good number uh, to to start as a baseline right now. I mean, we don't know in three months what what the virus uh, will look like. Uh, how much, you know, is, is it coming back? Are we going to see, uh, you know, when will we see the second wave of it? Um, you know, most medical experts agree that there will be a second wave at some point, but you know, what does, when does that happen? What does that look like? Uh, and how are, you know, how, how is our country going to be equipped to to handle it should be better this in the second time, as opposed to the, the first time, but also, you know, Purdue is bringing back students to campus, you know, Purdue is bringing back its athletes. So you have an influx of, you know, roughly 30, 40,000 you know, people coming to West Lafayette uh, over the next two to three months, uh, and there will be positive tests. It's just just the way it's going to be. Uh, and you know, I don't think one positive test is going to shut down things like it did in the spring uh, with the NBA. Uh, but what is that threshold of a uh, number of positive tests that would require? Uh, at least a step back, and and Daniels was asked that question and, as well. And you know, if you do get an outbreak, he was he was more inclined to shut down that sport, whether it be football or basketball or soccer or volleyball. If you had if you had numerous positive tests, then you you might have to, you know, practically you would have to to shut down that sport in in some capacity because the next after testing positive, you have. Uh, the quarantine phase of this whole thing, assuming that's what Purdue is going to do. Now, Purdue has not uh, uh, released its plan uh, as far as whether they're 
actually going to be testing, although Mitch Daniels said there would be lots of testing, but that's not uh, not being able to drill down deep enough to find out what that what that means. But what is the quarantine phase and how how are athletes then uh, brought back into uh, the team setting and all that all that kind of stuff? But the 25 percent capacity at Ross H Stadium again, as I said, I, I think that's a that's a good number to start with, uh, and, and things will change. And Mike Bobinski later Thursday after Daniel's uh, comments um, said the number could move up or down uh, again, depending on you know what the the health situation is like at that point. But you know if you if Purdue is going to operate at 25% capacity, they've got a lot of you know, and I'm sure they've been in the process of, of trying to figure this out or have figured it out. They just haven't told people. You know who gets those tickets? Um, is it going to be season ticket holders, donors, uh, club seating, uh, people that give the highest amount in the John Purdue Club? I mean, how how is that going to operate? And um, I just feel like if you're going to allow fans into the stands, and first of all, I'm not a, I'm not sure that you should allow fans even the 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 option of coming to the game. Uh, you know, I think if this is truly um, a health and safety situation, and everyone says it is, that first of all, you probably shouldn't be playing in the first place, number one. But you, you do have to get back, things have to get back to uh, an operational level in, in all businesses, and that includes uh, Purdue's campus. So you've made the decision to play. You've made the decision that you're going to practice. You're going to bring your players back. But I just don't know if you if you open the door to allow fans to come to games. And there's a revenue component here that Purdue needs. Um, and they've run their models. Uh, but I, I just I just don't know if it's wise to give give people that option. I, I would just. I, me personally, I would just I would allow students in, and that's it. I wouldn't. I would keep everybody else out. Um, I would allow you know if you can allow twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand students to uh, to come in. I, I would I would do that. You know if you want to spread them around the stadium, fine. If you want to, you know these these stu- same students are interacting with football players on campus. Uh, they're interacting with athletes. They're going to be in some of the same classes. So, uh, and, you know, Mitch Daniels has said the, you know, the the virus poses a serious threat to a very small percentage uh, of people in the college age group. Uh, but I, I just, you know, this is going to be such a a weird year that um, I, I think it's best you just you keep everybody out, let the students in. You know, then it begs the question of family members. Can they have their own little section somewhere where, you know, at least mom and dad, immediate family members uh, can can watch can watch games in person? Uh, so, that, I mean, there's a lot of decisions, whether it's 25% capacity or 50% capacity. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made, and you're not going to make everybody happy. You're going you're gonna to piss off some some group somewhere along the line. Uh, but you just gotta, you gotta hold true to your decisions and make, make sound decisions. And again, there's a revenue component here that people have purchased season tickets, uh, and you want, you need that revenue since you're going 
to take a hit in other areas uh, with football games, with the lack of concessions and parking and alcohol sales and uh, T-shirt sales and jersey sales and all that kind of stuff that goes with a football game. And that's not even considering the the opportunity for football games that you bring in uh, donors that you're trying to um, get money from for the Ross State Stadium project that's coming up or other things to do with the university. And different colleges over there use those football Saturday weekends for fundraising opportunities that have nothing to do with athletics. It has to do with their school and and their business. So the university across the board is going to take some sort of uh, financial hit out of this at, at various levels. And it's just trying to minimize it as much as possible. And if, you know, if, if your 25% capacity number stays true, you know, you could, half of that could be students. The other half could be season ticket holders. But I, I just hope that they're, there's a way to let students be more involved in this than the general public, and um, and there'll be there'll be fans that have already purchased tickets that are going to be hesitant to go. Uh, that's in especially your older fans who, you know, as 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 we've seen, you know, have a higher risk at at maybe getting the virus. Uh, so it just. You know, I just think students should have the first priority, and to me, the the the, ma- the major priority of uh, of allowing them in into games. If indeed we get a football season going here, and we still don't know what that's going to look like, and whether it's going to start on time, how many games are going to be played, who you know, what the schedule is going to look like. I I do think there's still a lot of uh, maneuvering uh, coming up, and we're still about three months away. Uh, but you know the planning and all that has to take place now, uh, and and on Purdue, um, you know Purdue is doing that, and all the Big Ten schools are doing that. Um, now whether uh, there's going to be a decision uh, across the board from the Big Ten to say 25% is all you can have in your stadiums, regardless of the size of your stadium, or is the Big Ten going to allow that with each school? I, I would hope that they would allow each school to kind of dictate that number based on what's going on in their community at that time. Now, the 25% number, you could start at that, but then let's say things look good from the virus perspective and maybe through the course of the season that number increases a little bit or that number decreases. Uh, and again, if you're going to decrease that number, then why, uh, then why, why would you play? Why would you expose anybody uh, to to large gatherings uh, of that? And you know, President Daniels was questioned about putting ten to twenty thousand people in, in a in a place for a large gathering, and uh, by one of the senators, and uh, it didn't in his mind it didn't seem to make sense to to do that. But I think as as you know and. Uh, Mitch Daniels is determined. Uh, he's been a leader on this across the nation as far as bringing uh, the campus back to life for, with students in the fall. And uh, he's determined uh, to get that done. Uh, and there's many reasons why he's doing that, but he, he, is, uh, he has been out front in this uh, from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, I think Purdue is, 
you know, down a path right now that they, they need to be down a path, not only from an athletic standpoint, but from a school standpoint to, to be prepared, um, to, to get people back on campus in, in the best possible ways. And there, there are things that, go, that are going to happen over the next week, over the next month, that's going to change how that looks. And, you know, it's just going, it's, a, it's, it's going to be a fluid situation and, what we know today is not necessarily what we know in a week or a month or two months uh, from now. But you know, I know the uh, I know what Daniel said at the Senate committee hearing. Uh, you know, got people talking, and uh, as far as you know how how that's going to look, and uh, but you know, I think it's the right number right now. But as we get closer to football season, uh, we'll see. Um, if it if it indeed holds as the right number, you know, ideally, you know, you get a you get a full stadium. That means the virus is away, or you got a vaccine, or some other uh, way to to curb this thing. You know, and even the the Tippecanoe uh, County Health Officer, Dr. Jeremy Adler, uh, told me that he, he does not see any scenario as of today that would allow for full stadiums and really in any sport. And, you know, we haven't even touched on, no one's really, really touched on basketball and playing in indoors, you know, starting in November. So while the main focus is football, basketball is just right behind it as far as what, uh, what that's going to look like, uh, come, come the winter. You know, I think they're determined to have a season in some form, but, Will it get interrupted, and what what does that look like, and what does the schedule look like? Uh, I just think we're going we're set we're, we're setting ourselves up to see probably the most um, different kind of year in college athletics than than we've ever seen, uh, just from a lot of factors. And it's going to be new, it's going to be different. Um, in some ways, it might be better; in other ways, it won't. Uh, but um, I, I just think people need to prepare themselves for for what's coming, uh, and it's not going to be like uh, it used to be. Uh, and and what happens out of this in a year or two could really shape what college athlete college college athletics needs to look like or wants to look like as you come out on the other side of this pandemic. Um, so, you know, I think we're in for a a period of time uh, with college athletics that I think there'll be a lot of changes uh, being made. You know, Purdue football does start its workouts, voluntary workouts on Monday. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't expect the entire team to be going through those. Uh, the coaches cannot be present. This is a, um, this is a, a way for strength and conditioning uh, sports medicine people and managers only to be around, I, I would assume, uh, this, these, based on what other schools are doing, especially in the Big Ten that have released their plans, that this will be a uh, at least starting out uh, players working in small groups. Um, you know, just some of the other plans that I've read, like Ohio State, for example, the um, you know players will not be allowed to shower at the facility. Uh, you know, they work out, they put their, their, their workout clothes, uh, in a bag. They, they, they leave it somewhere. 
uh, it gets picked up and then it's cleaned and sanitized and all that. But they always have a, a fresh set when they come the next day or whenever they're scheduled to, to be at the facility. You know, they have their own water bottles. They have um, just a, a lot of a lot of things that had to be drilled down to the, the very, you know, minute details to making sure that there, you know, there was no contact and, um, you know, how they, how they line up and practice social distancing, uh, in the facility, in the weight room, you know, when they're doing their drills, um, you know, I would assume Purdue is, is following a lot of those protocols, but again, we, you know, I've asked to see what those are, um, but they have not responded in more than a week uh, as far as what uh, what Purdue's going to do as far as testing. Um, again, Mitch Daniels said there'll be lots of testing, but we don't know exactly what that means. Is that daily test? Is that weekly test? Is that, you know, if, if, you're, if you've been on campus since the pandemic, living in your apartment, do you get tested? Or, or only uh, if you're coming from out of town for the first time, are you going to get tested? So, you know, what happens from a quarantine standpoint? I've seen different days that programs are uh, forcing those that test positive to, to be quarantined, any, you know, upwards of 14 days. And then, uh, you know, I, so I think I saw one college head, you know, is allowing 10 days. And I think I uh, so maybe the NBA might be doing seven days. I, I don't I don't know uh, exactly, but I mean there's different days there. But what but what is Purdue's plan? What is Purdue's plan for that? You know I, I think this is this is a public health issue, and you know as Purdue brings its athletes back, as Purdue brings its students back for campus, you're, you're looking at an influx of a lot of people that have been gone since March. Uh, that may have picked up the virus and they don't know it. Uh, but this is a public health issue that I think the public needs to be made aware of, of what the protocols are and what, what plans are in place uh, for Purdue to not only protect itself, but protect the community as much as possible. And there's a certain level of transparency that needs to be done in these situations. I think a lot of schools are doing it. I think the Big Ten and all the major conferences have have been out front in this, but not all schools have, have decided to to make their plans and protocols uh, public. Uh, but I, I think it's important that community knows what's going on with this. And the more Purdue can be uh, transparent um, in this situation, I just think the better off uh, that, that they're going to be. And... Um, but anyway, we'll see how this all works out. You know, I, I do like Purdue's plan as far as what they've what they've told us and what they've told everybody as far as phasing in the athletes. You know, football comes in uh, starting Monday and they get a full week, so Purdue is able to take the biggest group of of their team, and it may be limited to 50, 60, 70 players. Uh, you know, we don't know for sure how many players are going to be here this first week. Um, but this allows Purdue to kind of get through, um, you know, their testing, you know, find the hiccups in the, in the, in the system, um, see how things go, what worked, what didn't. And then they're going to bring back men's basketball, 
Uh, although some of those players are already back on campus, uh, some of the freshmen are already here, but technically they can't start their voluntary workouts until June 15th. And then June 22nd, you'll get women's basketball being able to start its uh, voluntary workouts. And by then, uh, you would think Purdue has um, enough data and, you know, done the testing and, you know, how the quarantines work to have a have a good idea as far as now bringing back the other sports because you need, you still need to bring back volleyball. You need to bring back women's soccer. You need to bring back cross country for the fall and then and then your other sports over the course of time uh, will will fall in line. So, you know, I, I do like that plan, uh, a, a phased in approach. You're not bringing, uh, let's say, um, you know, maybe 150 to 200 athletes all back at once. Uh, and then if you have issues or some hiccups in, in, in your protocols that you can't, you know, you can fix them, but, you know, now, you know, whatever, whatever issues arise with football and there, there might not be any issues that arise that they can, they can apply and make adjustments, uh, for, for both basketball teams and the rest of the sports to cover. So things are going to pick up on campus a little bit. Um, you know, some of the protocol, again, some of the other protocols that schools are doing is not, you know, as I said, you know, that you can't shower at the facility. You got to shower at your place. You've got to, you know, keep your own equipment. Um, you know, and the cleaning, there's the cleaning part of it and the sanitizing part after, uh, every workout, um, you know, has Purdue hire, had to hire extra cleaning personnel to, to make sure that, um, uh, everything is is wiped down and sanitized after each uh, workout. You know, Purdue has made it known that when you walk into a building, you have to have a mask on, and I would assume the same will apply to coaches. Um, and when you go into the athletic department, um, or when Jeff Brom has, you know, any kind of in-person meeting with uh, with any of his players or his coaching staff, that there'll be uh, there'll be masks. Uh, now, to, on a on a lighter note, okay, are all the Purdue coaches going to wear Purdue masks? Do they get to pick their own mask? Uh, this is something I thought of yesterday is that, you know, let's let's say we have a normal football season, uh, and we know how coaches like to hide what when they make the play call, uh, when they're, uh, you know, on the sideline getting getting information from upstairs and trying to relay the play like to cover their mouth well you know if you have uh uh if you have a mask on you don't need to do that anymore but will habits stay as they are where you're going to see jeff brom still cover his uh cover his mouth if he's wearing a mask with his play call sheet uh throughout the year and i just thought you know so you know little things like that that you just don't you know you don't think of until it's time but some guys are just in the habit of, okay, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna cover our mouths anyway, even though we have uh, a, a mask on. Uh, so I mean, it's it's there's a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts with this, but you know, um, you know, I think you know, just getting a football season going, and it you know, it would seem like we're on that path uh, is a positive to kind of where things are at. Uh, today. Uh, from a basketball standpoint, men's basketball standpoint, uh, Purdue did uh, throw out a bunch of offers. Well, I shouldn't say throw out. You know, these are uh, 
these are just not off the cuff. Uh, they offered six players in the 2022 class uh, last week, uh, three on Wednesday, three on on Thursday, and uh, bringing the uh, known total offers in that class to 10. Now Purdue's going to have four spots as of right now. Uh, that could, you know, that could change uh, because things do change. Uh, you know, uh, players transfer, uh, and, and we still don't know the status of the the one-time transfer rule. I, I, you know, I think it probably will get passed in January. But what does that look like? You know, I, I don't know. You know, I know Matt Painter, who's on a lot of uh, committees studying this subject you know he's against the one-time transfer but knowing knowing it's probably going to pass you, you do want to put some other things in there that may at least just tap the brakes on some of the, the the quick decisions to leave like you know maybe you have to stay one year uh before you can have that one-time transfer rule because you know you go freshmen go through their first year some of them red shirt some of them don't you know it's a whirlwind for them you know, maybe you should just, you know, that's something they shouldn't have to think about their first year, and it, it and it helps coaches manage the roster as much as possible. So, um, but anyway, as of now, four scholarships available in the 20, 2022 class. Uh, the state of Indiana uh, doesn't appear to be very strong uh, when it comes to high level talent. Um, so it's not a deep, deep class. So you're going to see a lot of scholarship offers from around the country, uh, as Purdue cast a very, you know, an extremely wide net in this situation, uh, trying to get, you know, uh, as much talent as possible out there. Uh, usually, you know, usually Purdue stays closer to home when it comes to, 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 to in-state talent. Uh, you know, I think the 2021 class has a chance to, you know, they've already got one commitment from in-state, Caleb First. Uh, you know, Trey Kaufman from Silver Creek is still on Purdue's radar. They've got, you know, some other guys from out of state, one of them, Max Christie from Illinois, but he's nearby. Uh, then Harrison Ingram from Texas is uh, obviously a national recruit type of guy. But I think Purdue's in the 2022 class is – you know, at least right now, they're involved in a lot of national guys. Uh, and, you know, and it's a weird, again, we go back to what the COVID situation has done. You know, the, no no coaches have been able to, not just basketball, but no coaches have really been able to evaluate uh, pr- prospects uh, in person since the NCAA shut this all down. And the spring and summer evaluation period um you know, usually, uh, you know, in a, from a basketball standpoint, you know, probably in overall recruiting, uh, you, they're working a year or two ahead where this would be a big year for Painter and his assistants to evaluate the 2022 prospects in person uh, during AEU season or, you know, whatever other evaluation periods are out there. Um, and they've already seen some of these players last year or the year before that, but now another year of development, another year of growth, growth. What do they look like? Uh, there's plenty of tape out there. There's, you know, you get on the huddle forms where you can, you can watch, 
But those are more highlights than they are anything else where you can watch a full game uh, of, of AU to, to maybe get a better feel for, for a kid and how he may fit in your program. And as you know, Painter is so big on the character part of it that you pick up more things watching in person uh, as opposed to just watching film. And you can talk to as many people as you want, but how does, how does one of his targets that he, you know, one of his players that he's targeting, how do they react after a phone call? How do they, or a foul, foul call, not a phone call, but how, how do they react? You know, what's their, what's their body language? And so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that, you know, all coaches are not being able to pick up right now. I, I do think as we get closer into the fall and things start to open up even more, I, I do think that, um, Coaches, especially basketball coaches, will have an opportunity to to get out and do some evaluations, whether it's at the high school level or maybe some one or two day showcase type of things, where they can they can get a better grasp of uh, of of the people they're recruiting. But you know, Purdue had a had a wave of scholarship activity on uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, and uh, you know it started on Wednesday and. You know, they, they offered a, a point guard from Cincinnati, Paul McMillan. You know, he averages probably, you know, around 30, 32 points a game. You know, then there was another point guard from Atlanta, Atlanta area, Bruce Thornton. Um, you know, one of the top players in, in, in the state uh, that, you know, Purdue, you know, that Purdue offered. And then later Wednesday, uh, Deontay Davis. Uh, from Lawrence Central as of right now, but uh, as of Saturday night, his dad, DeAndre Davis, um, uh, was named the head coach at Warren Central, and according to a story in the Indianapolis Star, that uh, Deontay will go with him to Warren Central, so he'll be he'll be changing schools, uh, going from Lawrence Central to Warren Central, but he picked up a Purdue offer uh, last week. He also has some offers from uh, Butler and Louisville and Xavier and Nebraska and his older brother uh, plays at Louisville. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts there. But, you know, Purdue obviously uh, a lot of importance on in-state kids. And, you know, that's that's a kid that, uh, uh, that you know, Purdue's really going to recruit hard. Uh, you know, forward type of player, more on the wing. Um, you know, he, he, looks, he looks like, he, you know, uh, needs to add some some muscle here and there, but uh, you know I think that comes over time. And then on then on Thursday, you know Purdue offered uh, Alex Carban from New Hampshire, who also holds the offer from Indiana and Georgetown and Providence and Stanford. Jamel Brown, who's one of the top players in the country, uh, a combo guard from the Philadelphia area. Um, you know Purdue Purdue was able to to get a scholarship offer to him, and then Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, from Michigan, uh, his older brother plays uh, is on the Michigan State team right now, and his mom, uh, f- uh, former Katie McFarland, who was a standout athlete at McCutcheon, and also served uh, one year as a Purdue volleyball assistant coach in 2002. Uh, so there's there's that connection there. But those were the kind of the six that Purdue uh, targeted and and offered scholarships to last week, and there's there's four others that had. Uh, that already had scholarship offers from last spring and summer, including Jalen Washington, a forward from Gary West, uh, Camden Heidi, uh, whose dad uh, graduated from Lafayette Jeff, 
and is a Purdue grad. Uh, so, uh, you know, right now I think Purdue has, has 10 scholarships out there for the 2022 class. Uh, there'll be more. Uh, there'll be more. And Purdue does have to cast a wide net here because they do have so many uh, scholarship offers um, to fill uh, for that uh, for that uh, recruiting class, and because you're losing some some really key players there, and you know Purdue's got to got to fill those fill those roles. Whereas in the 2021 class, you know they have one commitment, they're going to take another, and they're probably going to take a, another one in the 2021 class and oversign, uh, just because um, and, you know as we saw this year, even though it doesn't really affect um, the recruiting piece. In the, in the long run, you know, Matt Harms and Nojel Eastern both transferring out, you can see, you know, you don't know what players are going to, you know, as, as Matt Painter was surprised when Nojel Eastern and Matt Painter, or Matt, uh, Matt Harms came to him and said that they were leaving. It doesn't, you know, it takes a freshman or a sophomore to, to text you and say, hey, we need to talk. And then, um, so, I, you know, I, I would say Purdue probably will oversign uh, in the 2021 class. Uh, just to protect itself, and you know the 2021 class is is talented enough that uh, you know if you get two to three players there, you know along with Caleb first, I you know I think that's you're going to shape up and have a really really good class uh, in basketball uh, for for the bullet makers. All right, well there was a few topics uh, touched on uh, during the the podcast. Of course, if you have any questions. Uh, want to reach out, uh, email, hit me up on Twitter. Um, you know, looking ahead to this week, as I said, voluntary workouts for football starting back up and then basketball the next week, things still kind of quiet, um, at Purdue a little bit, but, you know, I think the, the financial component is something that, um, a lot of people are interested in, especially those that work over there, how it's going to look as we get closer to, uh, the start of the new fiscal year, uh, Purdue still waiting on the final payment from the Big Ten uh, regarding the TV revenue for the 2019-20 uh, uh, fiscal year. Uh, those payments are made in installments throughout the year, uh, but there's always a payment in June that kind of wraps things up. But since you know they didn't have the Big Ten tournament, didn't have the NCAA tournament, didn't have spring sports, you know, what is that payment going to look like from a revenue standpoint? And that's something Purdue's kind of been waiting on. Uh, and it, it might end up being just fine where Purdue can break even uh, in this year. But the next, you know, going into the next fiscal year is going to be tough for Purdue and other schools financially because of um, the lack of ticket sales. If you do have 25% capacity, you know, that's 75% of revenue you're not going to get. Uh, so, you know, there, there there are things that are probably going to happen over the course of the next few months. And whether that happens just in the athletic department, whether that happens across the university, you know, I know Mitch Daniels and the board are trying to avoid that as much as possible. But there are some, you know, there are some things that you just can't avoid. And until they get the final enrollment numbers as far as who's, who's coming, uh, you know, that's still kind of a, a moving target, but like everything else, they all have different models uh, for that. Anyway, we appreciate you listening. Um, again, if you have comments or questions, reach out. And until next time, uh, have a good day.